Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. In this series titled People Make Dream Businesses, Jason Phillips of Phillips Home Improvements will be discussing how to escape contractor prison and build the painting company of your dreams. It is a six but now seven part series. In episode one, Jason discussed key one to escaping contractor prison, true leadership in your painting company. In episode two, Jason covered key two to escaping contractor prison, building a highly effective team. In episode three, Jason deep dove into key three to escaping contractor prison, creating and implementing efficient systems. In episode four, Jason discussed how your painting company needs to market itself for long-term and big time growth. In episode five, Jason elaborated on the DISC personality assessment and how to use it to ensure you have the right people in the right seats. In episode six, Jason took a deep dive into motivators, how to get everyone excited and motivated to help your painting company grow and succeed. And in episode seven, this episode, a bonus episode, which I got Jason to agree to do with me, we are deep diving into his sales process, which is extremely interesting, unique, and I'm very excited to learn more about it. If you want to ask Jason questions related to anything in this podcast series, you can do so in our exclusive Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast forum on Facebook. Just search for Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast forum on Facebook and request to join the group or type in the URL facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. Again, that URL is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. There you can ask Jason questions directly by tagging him with your question so you can see how anything discussed here applies to your particular painting company. And with that, I think we're about 30 minutes through our hour uh, podcast episode. What's up, Jason? Brandon, thank you for having me back. You know, it's it's not <laughs> hard to twist my, my arm to talk about things I, I really am passionate about. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Well, the the uh, the sales, I've taken you on some detours. Of, uh, I think you've gotten very used to my interviewing style by now. But uh, it seems like most of the detours we've gone on have been because you mentioned something really interesting you know, about your sales process. And then I want to learn more a lot about it. So I'm very happy we're diving into this. Yeah, me too. You know, in, in the painting industry, there's not a lot of emphasis on, on real selling and on a sales process. And pretty much every, I don't want to say every, but the vast majority of painting contractors, again, we're talking uh, residential clients here. Yeah. Uh, the vast majority really 
don't have any training or background in sales. And they uh, end up competing on things like price uh, or, well, we're the best. We're the best. Hey, we are the best. We're the best painter in town. Yeah. And that's, that's it's so convincing too. You yeah. know, no one says that. No one says like, we're the best painter. We know sometimes it, sometimes it does work. Sometimes it can, it can work. And if you're, you know, if you're a, a very influential person uh, and, and it can, you know, it can work hit and miss depending on the type of uh, prospect or homeowner that you're meeting with. You know, if, if, uh, if you're uh, talking to a person who loves detail uh, and you're a, a painter who loves to drown them in details, y'all are going to have a great connection. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have a great connection. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things I'm going to tell you a, a quick story uh, back about eight years ago, uh, I had, I think at the time, I think I had 18 sales reps, but they did more than sell. Uh, they, uh, they actually uh, managed the project. So a crew would get assigned, they would meet the crew out there. Uh, get the crew started, you know, talk to the customer, make sure we we're all on the same track. They'd come back and check on the job and finalize everything and make sure the customer's happy and, and pick up the check, right? And pick up the yard sign. And when I discovered uh, personality styles a bit before that, you hear me talk a lot about personality styles because it matters in your business. It matters who you have doing what in your business. And uh, I, I had like 40 employees and I gave everybody, gave everybody a disc profile. And I started just looking at them. If you've ever seen uh, the, the disc uh, assessment reports, basically a little bar chart with four bars for one for D, one for I, one for S, one for C. And I just started looking at the shape of the, of the charts. And I would, I began to put the pieces of paper in piles based on the shape of the chart, what looked fairly similar, like, you know, these are high D's, these are high C's, these are, you know, D, D, C's. And, and I just started organizing them. And then I went back through the stacks and I started uh, looking at the names of the people on them. And I noticed in this stack over here, well, these were, these were all my salespeople that were really good at closing the sale. They had a high closing rate but they weren't good on satisfying the customer and getting all the details right, delivering the, delivering the promises. And I discovered, okay, over here, wow, this set over here and these guys, their jobs are already in, but always in budget. The production crews love them and um, uh, their, their jobs are, are their, their notes on their scope of work is always wonderful. And then I'm like, oh, but these are also the same guys that have a horribly low closing rate. And so, you know, the, the, the production would be, oh, we, you know, we love to get jobs from so-and-so, so-and-so's, you know, salesman A, he is the best salesperson because his scopes are so detailed. We know exactly what to do. And the price is always great. And the customer is always so happy. He's the best one. They had no clue that he had the worst closing rate he or them. So I had these two, but the, the, the problem is I had these one stack. I had people that were really good at selling and not delivering the details and the promises and the other that wasn't good at selling, but they were really good at 
serving the customer and delivering. And they were all doing the same job, sales and project management. And that, that hit home with me so hard that day, I made a decision to split sales and project management into two different roles within my company. And, and uh, some of the people, I lost some people over it. And some were like, heck yeah, I would love to do just sales. And some were like, yes, I would love, I don't like the selling. I love working with the customers though. And so we split the teams up. And uh, it, it, was, it was the beginning of something very wonderful at my company. You know, you hear about get the right people in the right seats. Well, you got to get the right people. Okay, the, the right people in your company are those, those who, who line up with your values and will, will work to champion your vision and your company. Okay, those are, the, those are the right people. And getting them in the right seat is about matching their, their, their skills, but even more so than just their skills, because you can learn skills uh, in most positions fairly easily, fairly quickly, but matching up their, their inner drive or the way they're built according to the personality style. And so in, uh, in one year, uh, I raised, in doing that, I raised prices 20% and I raised closing rates 20% because I had the right people doing the right thing. Yeah. Raised prices 20% and my closing rates went up. That's a big, that's a big that. price, price hike in one year, 20% yeah. in one year. And so, uh, but now at the same time, I'm charging more and I'm paying two people to serve that customer, one in sales and one in production. Okay. And now I've got more, my, my customers were not only getting the right people delivering the promises to them, but in addition to that, those people had more time to spend on uh, delivering and working with that customer. And if you are, if you, in your company, if you have, have sales and project management mingled together, you may have to be, you may have to do that for now. But I'm telling you, as you grow, you need to split those off and let those two be two specialist positions. And uh, you can deliver and make happier customers. And when your customers are happier, what are they going to do? They're going to come back and bring their friends. Yep. And when they come back, they're going to be uh, super happy and not as price sensitive as they were the first time around because they know you, they trust you, and you've taken care of them. So having the right, the first thing we talk about sales is having the right person or the right people doing the sales. It has to be someone that uh, has the right mindset for sales. It's people who like to win, people who like to hunt. And these are typically going to be, typically going to be uh, in, in, in home sales, short cycle selling, these are going to be your high D people, high D plus something else. And, uh, you know, if, if you, in, in addition to that, no matter who you have selling, if they don't believe deep down that your company is a company of integrity and is the absolute best option for that prospect, if they don't believe that, they're still not going to perform very well. They'll just be in it for the money. But when, listen to this, sales really at the end of the day is a transfer of enthusiasm from you to your prospect. That's what sales is. It is a transfer of enthusiasm. And you, you, 
Not that you need to be all, hey, oh my gosh, hey, we're going to come do this. It's going to look so amazing. You do need to have an element of that, okay? But you're not there to win a popularity contest. You're not there to make a friend. Are you Are you there to be friendly? Absolutely, okay? Um, but the, let's talk about the mindset. Are you, are your people, are you estimators? Are you salespeople? Or even better, are you a, cons a consultant for the client, for the potential client? Yep. Because my company, we're not the best for every for everyone. But when we are, when we, we we truly want to help that client make a decision, we truly want to help that client make a decision that's in their best interest. And if we don't feel like we're the best company for them to do business with, then we're not, and, and we push through with trying to make a sale, we're not operating in integrity. And that's going to eat away at our conscious conscience. It's going to eat away at our culture. So you're not right for everybody. I'm not right for everybody. Sometimes we want to be right for everybody, but we're just not. So knowing a deep belief that we are the best option for this client. You know, Brandon, it's like a third of, of all money spent on home improvements is spent to redo something that wasn't done right the first time. Wow. So That's let's just insane. use, let's just use some basic high level numbers. Let's say out of a hundred percent of the people that I meet with, that we meet with, that we give proposals to say we sell a third of them. And then we know a third of them are spending their money to redo something that wasn't done right the first time. So that means of the people that don't buy from me, half of them are likely to be wasting their money. One third, one third, and one third. Yeah. Okay. When you end up with two thirds and then that half of that is one third. Our job is to save homeowners. My, my project consultants, their job is to save homeowners, rescue them even from doing business with unscrupulous contractors. And they know that. They know the statistics. We hear it all the time, how so-and-so um, took our money, didn't yep. come back, made a mess. Every, every homeowner that's ever owned a home for a period of time has visited homeowner hell. Home, home improvement hell sometime, dealing with uh, a nightmare story, dealing with a contractor. And they hear it in the news. It happens all the time. And in my state, in my state, there's no licensing. Okay, there's nobody policing out there saying, hey, you can't do business as a painter anymore. You didn't take care of your customers. Nope. If you get a bad name, people just go and open up under a new name. Happens all the time. And not, now again, your market may be different, but all to say that the mindset of your salespeople needs to be, we are a company of integrity and I'm going to fight to, to, to help you see why it's important that you go with a company of integrity and not just on buy on price. Yeah. yeah I don't, the, I mean. The, the issue that painting contractors have is very similar to the issue that marketing agencies have, right? Like painter marketing pros, everyone's been screwed by a contractor and even if it hasn't necessarily been a painter and the homeowner they're they're kind of lumping them all together you know if the plumber screwed them if electrician roofer 
uh, a painter, well, it's just another guy who's going to come screw me, right? So that, that's kind of the the perception. So then you have your project consultants, your salespeople. Um, now you call them project consultants. They have to go out and they have to now overcome this, right? So there's already a bias against this. Is, it's a similar thing with, with marketing agencies. They're both honestly kind of shady industries. You get a lot of shady characters in both and you have to, you have to operate with integrity and then demonstrate that to your team and to your customers that you are not like that. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily easy and you know, you yeah. can, you can look Skepticism. at the reviews. You you can buy Google reviews, but yes, we, you were just, you know, we were just re- recently. I was at the watch shop with uh, uh, with my daughter, and she had a had a nice new watch and wanted some links removed and mm-hmm. and wanted to go to the watch shop and and he you know doesn't talk about money at all. But we go and we sit there for a while, and he takes care of her, removes the links, and says, "Okay, we normally charge twenty five dollars to adjust the uh, to adjust the wristbands, but but." Uh, but this week, if you'll give us a Google review, um, we will. We'll, we're waiving that twenty five dollars. You know, you know that is against Google's TOS. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. And that's like but, there's there's way worse ways to do it than that. But yeah, bribery is definitely against the terms of service. Contractors do it all the time. I got so, a, a a a letter about uh I could have gotten up to three. I think it was three. I think it was only ten dollars, but I could have gotten three of them. So it could have been $30 of Chick-fil-A gift cards from the the company that stalled my fence. If I left a review on Google, if I left one on Facebook, and I maybe the other one was Yelp, I'm not sure what the third one was. But if I left all three, I get a $10 gift card for each one. Just take a picture and send it in. I'll tell you, you what, know, they have a lot of reviews. They have a lot yeah, of reviews exactly. online. What I like to do is, and what we do is we incentivize our people to, to um, wow the client and then ask for the review. We don't incentivize yeah. the client. We, we just want to incentivize them by wowing them with great service. Yep. Okay. So we, we talked about the, you know, the people, the, the, the salesperson. Again, if they're just like, Hey, my job is to give estimates. That's what I do. I give estimates. And if they buy, they buy, you know, that's such that's a high gonna, D. So, so dominant. Not going to be, that's not going to be very, um, very effective. Let's talk about the next thing. You know, you hear, you hear guys talk about all the time, our closing rate is, you know, 80%, 90%, 60%, whatever it is. Okay. The, it, if your pricing structure is super cheap, it's going to be easy to give work away. And guess what? There's always going to be give, people giving work away. So I really, you know, bragging about, about what your closing rate is really means nothing to me. And honestly, yeah. it really means nothing because <clears throat> There's, there's no comparison of what, uh, of, of what the other guys were charging or what you're charging or the real value you're adding into your sales process. So, you know, some companies will consider a 10% closing rate. Uh, great. If they're, if their margins are high enough, if their margins are high enough. Sure. And how much are, how many, how much are you paying for the leads? It all goes into a big formula. How much does the lead cost? You know, how much to get a, you know, to convert it and all the way down to your customer acquisition cost. So most, most painters severely underprice projects. Here's what, here's what you hear constantly going around. And this was what I was told in the early days, take your labor materials and double, double it. That'll cover your overhead and your advertising, just double it and you're okay. And that, you know, there's really no science. You know what? That's easy. That's just an easy way to do it. 
for the owner go, well, I'm going to walk around this place and I think it's going to take me about eight gallons of paint, case of caulk, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm in this $500 in materials and it's going to take the guys, a three man crew about a day and a half, you know, and that, they're doing mental math. Okay. So now we're up to, you know, we're now we're up to, you know, $2,000. Okay. We're going to double it. We're going to, if we can sell this job for $4,000, we're doing good. And you're not, you're not going to scale your company with that type of pricing because you're not going to be able to put the right people in the right spots to really scale it. You're going to have to charge more. And how are you going to charge more? If you just raise your prices without a, without a sales process that <clears throat> delivers value, then uh, you're not going to close any sales. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of guys, one of the big things is, Hey, I can't raise my prices because I'm going to, I'm not going to close any deals. Well, that's when you have to improve your sales process. Then you can raise your prices and continue to close deals and have yeah. the right people doing it. One of the things you focus a lot on, which I think is phenomenal, is you're not, it's not the widget. That's not your business. You know, the the painting is the widget. What you are is, is you know, sales and marketing company, ultimately a people company, but you have to be really good at selling. You have to, I, I call it decommoditizing your business. If you go out and you're selling a painting company, well, then you're, you're just a commodity. If you're a commodity, it is only logical, it is only rational to pay the lowest price because there's no reason to pay more. You have to give people a reason to pay you more money. 100%, 100%, you will be a commodity. And, and therefore the only thing left to buy on is price. Yeah. So now let's back up for a moment before, uh, before the sales appointment. Let's, let's talk about setting the appointment for just a moment, because really that's, that's part of the process. You know, how many times have you um, shown up to a, uh, a client's house or a potential client's house? You start doing your measuring and they're like, oh, hey, I got to run to get the kids. Uh, hey, just leave it under the mat or email me. How frustrating is that? Whoever sets your appointments, your appointment setters need to be following a process as well to ensure that the, that, that the salesperson is set up for success. Not necessarily, I'm not trying to say make their job easy, but put them in an environment that is conducive to uh, having a good conversation with someone that is, that is interested in what you sell. Yeah. And so again, we've talked about this on, on previous episodes, but you know, we want to meet with both homeowners whenever possible and we want their full attention for 60 to 90 minutes while we're there. You know, we don't just do drive-by estimates. I used to in the day, oh yeah, we're going to do a drive-by. We're going to do a drive-by, you know, and to some extent, you know, if a sales guy was busy, he, he loved throwing in an extra drive-by because he might get, he might get something for very little work or effort. And, you know, clients these days or homeowners, the public in general is, is, you know, educated to be wary of salespeople and just get a bunch, you know, get three quotes, right? Get three quotes. And they don't really want to meet with you because they fear a high pressure, high pressure sales tactics. And you should never be pressuring people. You should never be pressuring people. If they feel pressured into buying, regardless of what you mean, then they're, then they're pressured. Now, granted, they may feel some pressure because of their urgent need, which is a different 
which is which is a justifiable pressure that maybe they should feel but but you know we don't do these drive-bys we we want we meet with the owners of the property Jason, and, I, I want I, I want to I want to kind of walk through your process here right so so a lead comes in right you, you like I, I want you to walk me through this thing like what happens okay. if it if it varies by source so let's say if someone calls versus maybe they're they're a website leader however you do it let's go through like step by step what happens to that prospect okay so for instance um let's say someone arrives at my website okay. and submits a submits a, a form says hey I, I want an estimate for you know exterior painting yeah um that form is immediately going to push that data into my CRM. They're going to um, uh, immediately get a, a text message. The and, prospective customer will get a text message. Yes, they'll get a text okay. message. And and then uh, uh, they go into our um, outbound call queue. And within a few minutes, um, we're going to be calling them as well. So we want, we want to... Uh, treat these leads like they are gold and they're they're very perishable especially if they came through angie's list or something speed like that lead. the speed to lead is is vital and so we're going to reach out to them we're going to we're going to text them if we don't hear back in a few minutes later an automated an automated email goes out uh, but we're also trying to call them and this is so a, once, a call center, an in-house call center you have. Yes. Okay. So uh, once once we you know once we get them on the phone, we're we're gonna ask them to tell us about what they what they need, you know, tell uh, exterior painting, and we're gonna ask them some questions. Oh, tell me what's going on with your exterior painting. And you have a script for this. Yeah, we have a script for all that to ask some basic questions. Of course, we're gonna make sure they're in our service area. We're gonna ask them if they're if they're a homeowner or just a resident. And if, or actually, if they're a homeowner resident rather than an owner not resident, like a rental property, we want to find out what type of property and what's the situation here. And uh, so we'll go through and uh, so we, we set the appointment basically. And and will you guys disqualify on that call if if there's something that shows they're not going to be a fit? Will you DQ them? Yeah, like sometimes you know uh, there may just be flat out some services that we don't do that they sure. called about, and okay. we will. Yeah, so we may, we'll dis we'll disqualify some, and so we'll set the appointment. Of course, you know they get a they get a confirmation message that the appointment was set, and then uh, the the day before the message they'll get a, a confirmation. We actually want to we want to call back and confirm with them. Sometimes it happens by text, but we really prefer to speak with them on the phone and continue to build more value. What I don't want is for some other company to get there before my guy gets there and they sign up with that guy. Mm. So you'll try to get them on the phone again prior to setting the estimate when you actually conduct the estimate. Between the between the initial scheduling of the appointment and the uh, confirmation, I want the thought I want in the back of their mind is I ain't making a decision until I talk to Philip some improvements. Love it. Love that. I want them to anticipate meeting with us. Those are great so touch points that too. My actual yeah. phone conversations. So, uh, you know, then, then we, uh, we, we, we show, you know, we show up at the, uh, we show up at the door and knock on the door. And then that's, that's when the, that's when the appointment starts. So 
Uh, but, you know, if you talk about the sales process itself, it really, you know, it starts with, it starts with, um, you know, two, two P's. Well, the first one is preparation work. And the prep work is, hey, is my vehicle clean? Do I, am I, am I in my uniform? Is my uniform clean? Let's go a bit further. Do I have all the forms and paperwork and samples and color charts that I need with me? What a terrible way to not get a sit to lose a sale or to not get the sale because you weren't prepared. So, so preparing whatever that looks like in your company is important. Make sure that you or your people are prepared. It needs to be part of the process. And then, uh, uh, the, the second step really is one of the things that I always did, Brandon, when I was, when I was, uh, pulling up to an appointment. A lot of times it'd be a 6 p.m. appointment. We'll have had day, you know, appointments all day, long day, ready to be home. Wife's calling, when are you going to be home? And I want to be home too. But that last homeowner that I'm there to meet with, did they deserve my second best? Did they deserve my company's second best leftovers into the day? Jason's worn out. No, they deserve my best. So literally I would do, I would, I would pull up, in front of the home for just a moment and I'd get my mind right. And I would actually say a prayer and I just, I just say, God help me to really listen and hear what this homeowner needs. Help me to make an emotion, an emotional connection and present the, the solution to what they really want and need. And, and I would put on, I would put on, Hey, it's game face. I've got to, I'm on. And it's just like a trigger. Get out of my car, go knock on the door. <laughs> Okay. Flip the switch, man. Yeah. yeah. You've got, you've got to flip the switch. They yeah. deserve your best. They yeah. deserve your best. Game time. So, uh, so from there, you know, we, we, we knock on the door and when we knock on the door, we have a script we follow and uh, we want to confirm what, what our paperwork says. And our paperwork okay. says whatever the appointment said or the appointment said or put in the system, um, you know, and it would be, uh, you know, something uh, uh, like this. Uh, Hi, Mr. Smith. Hey, Mr. Smith, I'm Jason with Phillips Home Improvements. I want to thank you so much for inviting me out to your home today. Uh, my paperwork here, and I'd point at my clipboard and look at my clipboard, says that I'm supposed to be meeting uh, with you and Mrs. Smith. Uh, is she available? Oh, great. Why don't you grab her real quick? Hi, Ms. Smith. I'm Jason. Uh, again, thank you guys for inviting me out. Which, which one of you two spoke with the office? Oh, Mr. Smith, you did? Great. Did he tell you what we'd be doing here today? That's right. We're going to take a look at what you want to have done, what you need to have done. Sometimes those are a little bit different. And if you, uh, if you like what you, uh, if, if we can do what you want and need, um, I'd be happy to uh, sit down with you and provide you with an accurate written proposal of exactly what your uh, investment would be. And if, and if you like what you see and you have a serious interest in doing business with Phillips, um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. And I'm kind of hacking it up. I don't run that. I don't, I don't run that scripting every day, but it's, it's really just about setting the tone for the appointment. I want their attention and we confirm, Oh, now just, Hey, we're still good for the 90 minutes. Great. Make sure they say, Oh yeah, yeah, we're here. Cause I don't want them making dinner while we're needing to talk and do business. I want them with me. And so that's really the, you know, the, the, the next step is just that, that whole greeting and taking care of what's, you know, prepping, what's going to happen, setting that expectation again, here's how we're going to conduct this appointment. I need to be in control of this appointment. So, uh, so then the next thing is we just diagnose and we'll start by saying, uh, you know, Hey, great. Well, why don't you, why don't you, uh, show me the area you're most excited about or the one that's giving you the most pain. And they'll, then they'll start walking us around. And this is our diagnosis. 
And uh, we just want to ask a lot of questions. And if they point things out, we're going to, you know, ask them, wow, how, how long has it been like that? You know, the peeling paint, the rotten wood. Okay, great. Um, wow, there must be a good reason you haven't done anything about it till now. <laughs> Maybe they, maybe they just noticed or maybe they're going, yeah, we've just been super busy or, oh yeah, we've gotten a couple of quotes already. Or there could be a number of reasons. Hey, we're waiting on tax return. It could be whatever it is, but you're asking questions. We're diagnosing, you know, a doctor doesn't come into your house or come into your house. You don't go into the doctor's office and they don't just walk in and look at you and make a and prescribe what, what needs to happen to you. They're going to ask you questions. And a lot of those questions may seem irrelevant at first, but they need to know the basics and then they're going to start asking deeper questions and digging. And that's what the diagnostic walk around is. And we're interviewing, we're asking questions, but the tendency is to start saying, Oh yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to mask this. We're going to scrape and this, and then we're going to wash it this way. And we're going to paint this way. And it's to start selling everything. And that's not the proper time to do that. This is about finding out what is really going on with, with their property. So, you know, Brian Tracy is, this stuck with me years and years ago. Brian Tracy said, telling is not selling. Selling is asking questions. I'm going to say that again. Telling is not selling. Selling is asking questions. And if, if you were doing, you know, more, you know, if you're doing 70, 80% of the talking on your, on your appointments, your presentations, you're doing it wrong. You need to get the client, you need to get the client uh, doing more of the talking by asking probing questions. Yeah. Asking. And then you show your, you questions. have the solution. This is, this is a fit. But the, the mistake people make is they come in and just say, yeah, like you said, I, we're going to do this, this, and this. But what you do is you make the, the homeowner feel not heard. And, right. and what you've now created is you've, you've made yourself a commodity. Because, well, you you came in, you said you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, the other guy said he's going to do that too, but he charges $1,000 less. So let me, ask, let me give an example of why it's not a good thing to be selling while you're walking around doing your diagnostic. They might say, you know, you're talking about some rotten wood or some rotten trim around the window. And they're like, hey, uh, do you, can you replace the, do you replace these with Hardy? What do you guys use? Oh yeah, we use Hardy. It's the best. You know, well, what if for some reason they hate Hardy? Or, or what if they were, what if they, uh, 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 what if they work for one of the competitors or any number of reasons? So instead of saying, yeah, we're going to do that, you, you should answer with a question. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting question. What, what makes you ask that? Find out why they asked that question. Maybe the guy before them recommend, maybe the guy before recommended it, or maybe the guy before said he didn't, but they really want that. Is that valuable? That's valuable information. So ask questions like you're a doctor diagnosing what's going on. And if they have a question, get clarity by asking another question. And you're writing this stuff on the clipboard as they're asking questions, telling you things. Yeah, we've got, correct, correct. We're jotting down little notes. And I know one of the things you had mentioned on another episode, which I found very interesting, was you you prefer the clipboard. You think it conveys hey, I'm present, I'm with you. Whereas a lot of people, if they're using, they think, oh, they'll, they'll just use a tablet or something like that, uh, an iPad. But we're so used to, if somebody's doing it, it means they're not really in touch with you. Or if they're using their phone, you know, they might be texting. So you might be entering notes, think it's fine, 
but the even if it's just a subconscious impression that you're now conveying is that you're not truly engaged you don't truly care whereas the pen and paper is very clear you're not texting your friend yeah and i don't even know that it's necessarily that they think you're texting that i do think that's an element of it but there's just something about a paper form that shows you're taking notes mm. And it, it speaks volumes, especially to older generations. I don't mean old generations. I'm just saying older generations and, and definitely don't have your, don't be using your phone for this. And that's, you, that's a, that's the kind of thought out thing that, that goes into this preparation. I just, I just want to point that out because you, you mentioned it and it would be easy to just not think about that. Obviously you want to make sure you're wearing your, you know, your uniform, you want to make sure that, that you have uh, the color swatches and whatever else you need, but you should be having this thought go into all your entire process. Every little detail should be pre-thought. Well, we also use that form as a point of review later when we're sitting at the kitchen table. Mm. So there's another reason why we want that to be a paper form. So, uh, and when I messed you done, up. I messed you up. No, we're, no, we're, no, we're talking good. about the, uh, the, the diagnostic. Rot. Yeah. Yeah. So once we're, you know, once we're done with the diagnostic, you know, the customer, the prospect should be thinking, they should be thinking three things. This is more work than I thought. It's going to cost more than I thought. And I better not wait much longer to get this done. And the reason I say that is, is I, I, I don't want to make a blanket, say that's universally true, what they need to be thinking, but generally speaking, out of a hundred people that call you to paint the exterior of their home, how many of them should have done it a year or more before because the damage is worse? Probably 90% of them, maybe more. Yep. Pe people, people don't generally pay to keep it in great shape. They, they pay to repair it because they've got other things on their mind. And we know that we know that if they wait, you know, over winter or they wait longer, labor's going to increase, materials are incre going to increase, the peeling's going to uh, increase, so the, the quantity of labor is going to go up, maybe there's more rot that needs to uh, be replaced, the, the costs are going to go up exponentially if they wait. So 90% of the time, it's, it's better uh, for them to make a move sooner rather than later. And you know, again, let's take a hundred people. If, if they think that, you know, if, if, if you go out and you think the, the project is going to need, you know, um, a hundred units of effort, how many clients think the project is that big? They generally think it's a much smaller project because they don't understand what it really takes to get it done the right way, the way that you're going to do it. So, that's again, they need to see through the walk around how much work it is and point out things and, Hey, what's going on there? Tell me about what's going on there and ask them questions about peeling paint, rotten wood. Maybe there's paint on the brick. Oh, how'd that get there? The, uh, the last time we had the house paint. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. How'd you find that guy? Oh, uh, he was referred by Susie down the street. Oh, okay. So now you're starting to separate yourself right yeah. there. And you're not saying, oh, wow, look, he did a terrible job. She's telling you that he did a terrible job. Does that make sense? 
You're so, leading, you're leading this conversation through questions and you're kind of allowing her or him in this instance to figure out, Hey, this is actually a lot here. And, and all the questions that they're asking me show me they really know what they're doing. Um, and you're, you're, you're built, you're letting them build the case for you. Absolutely. I want, okay. I want to expose the real need, the real need of what they have done. I want them to see how much that is. And sometimes Sometimes it's a great amount. Sometimes it's not that much greater than what they think it is. But generally speaking, the need is more than they think it is. And the urgency is higher than they think it is. Generally speaking, again, not always, but generally speaking. So a sales process needs to, it, it needs to build trust, needs to build credibility. It also needs to build value and it needs to build urgency. Those are four things. And, you know, and, and so many times we just want to, we just want to overload people with, with facts. We want to drown them in facts and try to convince them. There's a difference between convincing and persuading. There's a big difference between convincing and, and persuading. And let's not get bogged down in all the technical mumbo jumbo and let's let's take a consultative a consultative approach to to helping the homeowner and we're really there our heart is there we are there to help them they called us because they need someone that they can trust and what we're really selling is peace of mind that's what we're selling we're i'm not selling home improvement projects i'm selling peace of mind they're looking for a company that they that they can trust. I love it, man. So, if you go and you just kind of throw a bunch of technical specs at them, you tell them, hey, here's what you need, here's what you need, here's what we're going to do, and you just kind of ram it down their throat, then they're not really going to trust you. They might think you maybe you're good at painting, but there's right. no relationship being driven. There's no value being driven. When you're asking all this stuff, you're building credibility, trust. You're building all this stuff along the way because you're also showing you really know what you're doing. You're showing, hey, you're super uh, detail-oriented because you're asking probing questions that maybe they hadn't even thought about, um, and you're conveying the value because as you go through it, they're going to be like, man, you know, this this company, they're not going to miss a beat. They're going to go through, and they're going to – I really feel that they're going to do the job right the first time, and we're not going to get screwed by another contractor here. You know, they may ask you, hey, hey, do you guys uh, – can you guys do this? Oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. You know, tell them a story. By, by the way, facts tell stories sell. Like that. And you know, you know, uh, Mrs. Jones um, last year had the very same problem uh, that you're having right here. And let me tell you uh, how we fixed it for her. We did A, B, C, and D, and it's in great shape. Matter of fact, I've, I've got some uh, here in my phone, I've got some pictures of the befores and afters for her. So you can show some of that as well. Tell some stories. It's okay to tell some stories. And that's why it's better to, you know, they called you out to, to look at their problem or their dream. They didn't call you out to make a friend. And it's, you know, we think, tend to think, oh, I need to make a connection with them. Oh, I see baseball caps or trophies. Oh, my kids play baseball too. You know, we think we want to make a friend. That's, it, it's okay to maybe notice something but stay focused on conversations. Too. That's right. People stay, know what you're doing. 
they know what you're doing. Stay yeah. focused on things that are adding value to the, to them, to the appointment. Add value to the client, the potential client. So, um, don't let me forget before we're done, Brandon. Let's talk, we'll talk about some common errors. Okay. Yeah. That, that are made, but but so you know we're going to do the walk around. And uh, at the end of it, they're going to be thinking it's more work than I thought. It's going to cost more than I thought. And gosh, I better get this done sooner rather than later. Uh, so at that point, you know, we're going to say, hey, great. It looks like I've got everything I need here. Um, why don't we head on inside and uh, I'll punch these, uh, you know, I'll punch these numbers in the system. So we'll head inside. We'll sit down, hopefully at the kitchen table. And uh, we'll start going through our, taking our notes and taking our measurements that we got while we were outside and plugging them into our system, which either, you know, for instance, runs on an iPad. And they can look over our shoulder. We don't have anything to hide. Our pricing is clear and transparent. Maybe having a conversation with them along the way, or they may be doing dishes or making a phone call or whatever they need to do while we're doing this. Might take 10, 15 minutes, whatever, to punch our, to punch our numbers in the system. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll confirm with them once again, the scope. Um, but I'm actually, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, before we even start, before we even punch in the numbers, we want to, we want to see if, you know, where they're at with trust. And we want to tell them a little, little bit about the industry, give them a very, very short uh, presentation on who we are as a company. And, and ask them, you know, is, is, is Phillips the company you could trust your home to for this project? We need them to say yes. If they can't say yes to that, then we don't even need <laughs> to waste anybody's more time, any else's, anybody else's time. That is not going to be a fit. But we need them to say, yes, Phillips is the company I can trust or I want to trust this project to. And, and you know, we'll say, uh, uh, you know, well, hey, great. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, other than other than simple afford, affordability, that being you know price or pay, price or payment, is there any reason you wouldn't trust Phillips to do this project for you? No. Okay, great. Well, let me punch these numbers in the system and let's see what the price comes out to be. So we'll punch the numbers in the system, and then we'll sit down and say, "Okay, I think I've got everything added in right here," and we'll show them right there on the screen. It it you know, and we'll point at it. Looks like it's going to be uh, ten two fifty, or as little as uh, one ninety three a month. And then we want to see: are they are they interested in the interest rate, or are they wanting to you know pay cash for the project? So we're going to talk about the payment. You know, sure. I like how you got ahead of of other objections. You know how it wasn't okay. You show the price. It's like if there is anything else bothering them, it's better to try to get ahead. Obviously people are potentially going to become emotional at price. That's then going to become very much the central point at that point. So you're, you're removing, you're covering all your bases. And then it's like, Hey, you know, maybe if, if it's too high, then maybe honestly, maybe they couldn't afford it. Maybe you kind of shouldn't have been there in the first place, or maybe you just didn't build the value in such a way that the close happened. Right. And there's, there's a number of things that they could say, well, I've got this and this and that blocking it, mm -hmm. you know? And so that gives us, you know, a, a decision on which way we should take it. They may say, oh, well, I need to consult with my spouse. 
And we're like, okay, well, we didn't think there was another decision maker. We're thinking that in our mind. So sure. we need to decide, am, am I going to go ahead and, you know, present my, finish my presentation here with this person? Am I going to try to get the other person on a phone call with us? Am I going to try to set a second appointment to deliver my price later? So we need to find those things out before we punch the price in the system. Yeah. And if there's a second decision maker, what are they going to hear? Oh yeah. Phillips home improvement. They came. Yeah. They, they, they quoted over $10,000, like 10.2 grand. What? They quoted 10.2 grand. Joe Schmo, he quoted 70, 7,500. Why are they quoting 10.2 grand? Because they didn't go on that walkthrough through with you. They have no idea what you're actually talking about. And homeowners don't in this situation, again, this is not a commodity. And what you include and what the other company includes is likely not going to be the same. Yeah, it's not they apples may, to apples. may quote the same materials. That doesn't mean they're going to use as many or apply them the same or deliver the same experience, right? So, so you need to be there for this part of the conversation, if at all possible. Yeah. And uh, so, so the, um, you know, some of these, some of these steps I'm getting, I'm getting them out of order, Brandon, but we also talk about, you know, we pre present with them, you know, here's how you can get your project done. When it, when it, you know, comes to taking care of your project, you can do it, you know, uh, the first way, which is you could hire, you know, um, a, a XYZ company. And, you know, we, we talk about XYZ company has no insurance. Okay? They have no processes, all of those things. And we ask them flat out, you know, is, 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 is that a viable option for you? Oh, no, no, no. Well, hold on. What if it could save you a lot of money? No, 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 no. I, we're not, we're not risking that. Okay, great. Well, the next way is you could hire, you know, what we call standard company. This is a company you're probably going to see in your mailbox quite often. They've got, you know, a lot of re reviews on, on, on Google, a lot of stars there. Um, but again, they're going to uh, do this and that. We start talking about some of the general things the industry does uh, that are not going to be advantageous that the customer, let's just say that the customer should be concerned about. And, um, they're no, 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 we, we don't want that. Okay, great. Well, the, the third and final way that you could take care of your project is, well, it's what we call the Phillips way. And, and we walk them through exactly how we're going to do it and what we recommend. This is where we're giving them the prescription. Yep. We're telling the first, we're giving them options and then we're giving them as the last option, our prescription after they've already said no to the previous options. And, and when we're done with this, they need to be thinking, I don't want this done any other way than how Phillips does it. When you, when you're walking them through that second option and you're kind of going through the run of the mill painting company, you know, not, not chucking the truck, something somewhat professional, but, but another company, what are the things that you're pointing out that are, are pretty normal in the industry that they're, they are not going to want done? Well, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> you know, man, we've done a lot of podcast episodes together. That one for the low price of ninety nine ninety five. No, <laughs> there's but but think about it. Okay, one of them is a percentage share contract. Mm. Okay, they're going to say um, they're they're going to say, okay, Mister Painter, we're going to give you. You know, we sold this for ten thousand dollars. We're going to give you five thousand dollars, and you're going to provide the materials. 
Now, when you're the painter and those materials are coming out of your bottom line and you go to the paint store and we ask them, you know, if, Hey, knowing that that's going to come right out of your bottom line, if you're the, if you're the painter and, and you go to the paint store, which materials do you think they're going to buy? Top of the line. The best ones. Do you think they're, you know, or yeah, nobody ever says that. <laughs> nobody ever says that. And do you think they're going to, you know, put them on thoroughly and liberally the way they should? No, no, they're, they're, they're not. Make it and, count. Stretch that material. Yeah. And so at our company, I buy all the materials. It doesn't come out of the crew, the crew's money. I don't want, I don't want the crew feeling like they need to skimp on materials to save money. Yeah. I don't want that. And so I've always paid for the materials. Again, you may be, you may do it differently, but I want them to see the risks of, of doing business with those other companies. And a lot of times, you know, those other companies don't have any real processes or standards by which they, by which they, uh, produce the projects. And, uh, you know, in our area, really, you know, no other company has the same awards that we have. And again, I know that's about us, 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 but pointing out certain things that we, that, you know, that we do, uh, in the Phillips way of doing things, the way we mask, the way we wash, the way we caulk, you know, the, the, the way we apply full strength paint, way we ensure with a final walkthrough that they're happy, all of these little things. And then they're like, yes, that's the way I want it done. Okay, great. So that's when we, that, that's actually when we, you know, punch the numbers in the system after that. Yeah. What a, because, what a pre-sell. So a, we don't, a great pre-sell. And, if, and if, and if, yeah, so we, we just follow a method and every person is trained to do it the same exact way time after time. I see on Facebook, you guys, you guys have your sales trainings, right? Which is, I, I don't really see a lot of painting companies do that. You guys will put on Facebook, like, Hey, I had a, a sales training today. What are you, what are you covering? What does that training entail with your team? Well, it, it depends. Okay. Like the new guy, he's going to get one-on-one -on -one training in the classroom and in the field, uh, regarding how to, um, how to scope, what to scope. So the whole scoping part of it how to work our systems and then, uh, and then our sales methodology. He's going to get all that. He's not just going to get, uh, information. He's going to get training, which means he's going to role play until he can say each thing correctly with the right inflection and the right pauses. Okay. These guys have to earn their first lead. That's awesome. They have to earn their first lead. So, and again, you know, we want them to earn their lead, but, but we need them to win. So we're not just trying to be tough on them to be hard. We want them. We, here's what we say. Look, we don't, if, if, if this, if this was, if this was martial arts or whatever, we want you to die in here where it's safe and not die out there where you're losing money and burning through company leads that we pay good money for. We're going to practice right here in the classroom, in the great room where greatness grows. We call it the great room where greatness grows. We're going to practice right here in the great room. We're going to develop your greatness right here so that you can win more out there. The great room so, where greatness grows. So now the meetings that you see, generally speaking, the meetings that you see 
are uh, that I post online are are group meetings. And um, some of those are going to be, there's going to be a little bit of information and a little bit of training. And sometimes uh, some, uh, we're going to IDS or identify, discuss and solve some issues that they're having with uh, a certain way to price something or maybe overcoming an objection that they're having. And then they'll, you know, role play or, or whatever it takes to do that. So there's all types of different training that happens there. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have a lot going on, man. I, I am very, very impressed by your sales process. It is, I know it's taking you a long time to get there. I also know you have a, a background and a passion for sales and marketing. So this is something you're particularly adept at. Um, well, you, we, yeah. we've studied a lot of, I mean, I hired, I hired a coach for a couple of years and I've studied all types of sales methodologies and trainers. And, uh, we've just, you know, we, we've made our own thing and it, it works very, it works very well for us. It's very predictable. That's, that's great. Do you have any, any, uh, as we're kind of talking about your, you know, uh, background, learning this stuff and, and hiring coaches and whatnot. Do you have any books? If people are listening, like, man, I would really love to get better at, at selling or just understand it more. Any books or, or podcasts or anything you would recommend? Um, in particular, I mean, you, you can get, you know, the books and such, you can get a lot of theory. I mean, which is great. And you can get some tips here and there, but really this stuff is best learned in a workshop mm. it's or, or, or one-on-one -on -one. Um, we're going to, when we have our later this year, when we have our contractor freedom summit, um, we're going to, we're going to delve into this just a little bit, but now you're, you know, your, your average, your typical painting company is going to have, you know, your, your probably a, one estimator and, and the owner is what most of them are going to have. Um, so let, let's, let's talk about some things. I, I didn't even finish going through the process. There's more to the process, but you can't fix it all at once, but you know what you can do? You can start by setting up better appointments. Um, you can make it easy for your people to, to get the price, right? Make sure, do you, do you want your, uh, I'm going to give an example. I had this, had this guy back in the day that, um, production didn't really like have, cause they had to figure out some of his details. You know, we do roofing as well. And this guy, he could, he could sell anything to anybody. You raise the price 20%. Doesn't matter. He keeps selling. <laughs> okay. And, and, uh, a good salesperson don't clog, don't bog them down getting the details. You need to make it easy for them to price easy. So they spend more time building rapport, trust, credibility, urgency with the, with the potential client. And I'd rather, I'd rather have more sales that have um, some details that we need to figure out on the back end than less sales that were perfect. Yeah. You've got to be selling something. And there's a lot of reasons businesses can fail, you know, Cash flow. Why do you not have cash flow? Probably because you don't have sales. Okay. You've got to keep the sales machine going. You got to feed the sales machine with leads. You got to keep the sales machine going, keep the money flowing, and you can solve the rest of the problems. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're always going to have problems as a business owner and you can have problems and no money or problems and money. Right. I'd rather have problems with the money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. 
becomes easier to solve your problems then too. You can hire coaches, you can bring out, you know, increase your team. You That's do right. Stuff like that. Reward people, all of that. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, people, here's, here's where the logic comes in. Okay. They're never going to say yes until their perceived level of value is more than you're charging. If you're charging 10,000 and you think it's, maybe you think it's worth 13,000, but you're willing to do it for 10,000 for whatever reason, and they only think it's worth 9,000, you're not going to get the sale. You've got to help them see that it's worth the 10 or the 13 through a good sales process that exposes need, that builds value. And it's not just, it's not just the value of, of the work you're being done. Look, if you hire the wrong guy or they do it wrong, it's going to cost them more than it costs to hire you in the first place. Sometimes it will cost more to not hire us than it does to hire us because it's risky. It's risky not hiring us because again, statistically speaking, you have a one out of two chance of wasting your money if you hire someone else. Yeah, and it's that's never powerful. and it's never going to be cheaper than it is right now. That's just the truth. Prices are going to continue to go up and your house is going to continue to deteriorate. Jason, I don't I don't, uh, I don't live near you. And I don't really have a need for a paint project, but you're selling me. I feel like I, I need to get need to get something painted. Creating this sense of urgency. Hey man, before, if, oh, go ahead. I was going to say those. You were probably about to remind me of those common errors. I'm about to. I'm about to. Yeah, I was about to say that. Okay, so uh, hopping on Zillow to see how much the house is worth, and then determining how much effort you're going to give it. We, we don't permit that. Some, some, of the, some of the opportunities that would appear to be lesser are maybe people that have lived in their home a long time and they put their kids through school and put their kids through college and paid off their mortgage and now they've been saving their money and they're going to totally make over their house with cash. We see it all the time. But your salesperson, they might think, uh, this is a terrible opportunity. You can't let them, you can't let them value judge. Another one is selling rather than diagnosing during the inspection. It's easy to do. It's easy to fall into. You yeah, have to remind subtle. yourself. It's yep. Um, trying to make a friend instead of just being friendly. You're not there to make a friend. They don't want you to become a friend. They want, they, they're looking for someone they can trust. That's reputable. That's credible. Okay. That's professional that has expertise. Um, another one, which we didn't really talk about is not presenting a price on the first appointment. I'll email it to you. If you're emailing your quotes, then you're, you're commoditized. But Jason, when you, when you guys present that price, are you trying to close it right there? Well, we're not trying to close it. We're trying to give them a reason to buy. So, but, but your, I, let me rephrase that. So, when you present the price, is it more common that they are going to buy then, or is it more common that they will buy at a later time? 50% of the sales we get are sold on the initial visit. Okay. Cause it's just interesting. Cause you said, you know, it, it is a common mistake. I agree with you, but by far the majority of people are emailing that quote over later. Oh, I know. 
I talked yeah. to them. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to them. So it's it's just interesting how how adamantly opposed you are to what is essentially an industry standard. Yeah, and even most of the software platforms take you down that route. Yeah. But that's that's not the way to do it. I mean, it's okay to follow up later. I mean, we even though we present in person, we do send it to them because we don't carry printers. We show it to them on our on our screen, and then uh, uh, either way, whether they sign it or don't sign it, they do get it in email. But it's presented; it's company policy. We present in our our we present our proposals face to face. Is there a reason you guys don't carry printers? We don't need them. Everything's okay. digital signatures. The way our our system works, we used to we used to carry printers, and I have nothing against them. Okay, Just, I didn't know if there technology. was a psychological. Reason no, no, no. It's okay. just that mobile printers are terrible. Yeah, got it. Okay. That's, main, that's mainly it. Yeah. Um, another one is, you know, con- confusing the prospect. You've got to nail down what's the scope of work they really want done. Where should they start? You know, a confused prospect will never buy. They don't need to be confused about what they're doing, about the best way to do it, about when they should do it about what products they should use. They don't need to be confused about how to pay for it. Got to make it easy. Make it easy. There's so much anxiety and emotion attached to the home and the home improvement project uh, and the amount of money that it costs. Make it easy for people. Make it easy to do business with with your company. And here's here's another one that I see, even among my own people, that we just have to constantly remind everybody of, is that uh, it's a huge mistake to think that every buyer buys like you. If you're a data-driven person, you're you're going to default to thinking that every prospect wants to think it over. And it's just not true they didn't have a reason they weren't given a reason to buy and you've got to give them a reason to buy and some people do need to think it over and that's okay if they want to think it over but let's give them something let's you know give them the price in person you'll let's, sit at that kitchen table with them for as long as they need to think it over I'm, absolutely I'm just, <laughs> no i mean just so, no, literally some sometimes sometimes yeah. they'll say oh well we just we just need to talk about it we need we need to we need to talk about it oh great Tell you what, I need to run out and call my boss real quick. I'll go ahead and load my stuff up and take it to the car and I'll make a call. Why don't you just uh, step outside and flip the front porch light on and off real quick when you're ready for me to come back in? Okay. We've talked about it. We're ready to go. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Man, so and say no. And so often, I mean, that's so that's so smooth, you know, but it's not pushy, it's not aggressive. So and very few people would would think to do that, but I'm sure that's scripted. You guys have planned for that. Hey, pretty much everyone, we need to think about it. Okay, great. Like, let me know, or we'll follow up. That's going to be the natural reaction. But you guys have have a more refined sales process than that. Well, that's the problem. Most people don't plan. They don't. They don't sit back and say, "Hey, what are the what are the reasons why uh, a homeowner wouldn't buy from us?" Well, a, we didn't give them a price. Uh, B, they need to. They have other estimates. C, they need to think it over. B, they need to you know talk to their spouse. Why don't we? discover how to overcome those objections or delays or how to at least deal with them in a productive way. Cause then what happens is we end up calling them back and using the F word. Hey, this is Jason with you know, ABC painting. I'm just following up with you here to see if you ever made a decision. 
Oh, you did? You already hired someone? Okay, well, thank you so much. Would you keep us in mind next time? Is that what you do? Is that what, you know? So I, I hate, I hate the, 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 the follow-up word. Yeah. So, but again, half of our sales come through following up. Okay. But, but the, the way you handle it, you know, is, is you, you need to have a method by which you handle it. It's not just the way you handle it. How are you going to train your first salesperson to do it? How are you going to train your second one and your third one and your fourth one? How are you going to do that? You need to have everybody trained and doing it exactly the same way. And you need to make it easy and efficient to train people. It needs to be written down so that you don't skip steps. And again, it's not rocket science. It is a lot of work. But if you are looking to scale your company, dialing in your sales process is a huge key to, to scaling your company. 100%, man. You have, Jason, anything else that you want to add as we not only wrap up this episode, but we actually wrap up your seven-episode series? Well, I'll say this, Brandon, I've had a blast talking awesome. business with you. Yeah, it's you know, been awesome. Sales, marketing, you know, personality styles, you know, people hiring, all of that stuff. I've, I've had a blast. So thank you for... Thank you for inviting me to, to be a part of this. Uh, and and, thanks for contributing so much time. Uh, but, you know, I would just say, uh, make that room in your schedule as an owner to start slowly implementing these things. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already going to be a growth-minded person. So you're on the right track. I want to give you some encouragement. And uh, identify, you know, wh what's, what's your biggest holdup right now in your company? whether it's sales or marketing or whatever it is uh, and just start working one piece at a time and getting the right people on your team, systemize it as you go and, and you'll be on the right track. How, how nice is that? How nice is that, that we've, we've, we've built this, this podcast, this series that we know already essentially the kind of person who's listening to this. I love that. I love that. We're talking to growth oriented painting company owners who are ahead of the curve in the industry. And that we absolutely stuff and they care and they're, and they're actually interested. 100%. A lot of guys don't even believe in marketing. No. Yeah. The, the industry, it's insane. How many, I love that. We're just talking to the creme de la creme here of the painting industry. That's right. That's right. So Jason, I cannot express enough gratitude for you, brother. This was an absolutely amazing seven episode series. People make dream businesses. I, I super appreciate my time with you, man. Thank you so much for this, this series. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Oh,
Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 